Life is hectic, so wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with Factor's chef-crafted and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 options a week, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more, they've got a variety that fits your lifestyle. Factor has restaurant-quality meals ready to heat and eat in just two minutes. They also have various easy options for the entire day, from breakfast to midday bites, smoothies, and more. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is a nutritious and delicious experience, and it won't break the bank. You can customize your meals by choosing 6 to 18 per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule deliveries anytime to fit your schedule. Factor meals are 100% hassle-free, giving you more time for what matters. Head to factormeals.com slash otherside50 and use the code otherside50 to get 50% off. That's code otherside50 at factormeals.com for 50% off your delicious, hassle-free meals. I'm Ryan, and I had a near-death experience, out-of-body experience. Um, a little both. <laughs> a lot of both. So I uh, had this medical emergency where it seemed as though I was bit by uh, a spider, in a couple of places. We couldn't confirm that, but that's what it appeared to be. And all the tests said it wasn't anything else. So I was uh, near death at the time they brought me into the hospital, said that they could save my life and go into surgery. So of course I said, yeah, save me. So I went in and um, I don't remember precisely the next thing that happened, but I do remember passing out. They gave me the meds and I, I fell asleep. And I guess the most prominent memory that I have, the most vivid thing that comes to my mind first was that I found myself just in this other place. Definitely wasn't here. It was uh, basically the afterlife or a spiritual realm. I mean, I was definitely out of my body. There was an ocean of souls. I could see all the souls that had ever lived, and they were just like flowing in all directions and it just went further than the eye could ever see and it just was like this massive energy field just flowing and waving but it was souls it's all people and many of them were coming and going like to and from and i could see them coming and going from the earth from here just kind of on the other side of the veil if you will as they say there was a lot of purpose in movement um, I could just kind of have this general understanding of everything. And uh, I could tell everyone had purpose. Everyone was doing something very purposeful. I don't know how the word to say it. But it was strange that I could see everything and everyone so clearly that I was just curious. I wanted to to look like, could I just see just one of these people? Should I look at just one person? And so I, I just peered off in a direction and looked at a random person. And it was as if I could see her up close. It was a woman. She was uh, probably in her late 50s, looked like wavy, blondish hair. And as soon as I looked at her, I could see her clearly. She turned and looked at me and just smiled and nodded. And I just kind of smiled and nodded back and just an acknowledgement of each other. And it's like, you know, because she knew that I was looking at her, <laughs> but it wasn't awkward or anything. It was like, she knew what I was doing. I was just there for the moment and observing and just looking around. 
it was a very mutual thing. It wasn't awkward at all. That's a pretty vivid memory of, of seeing all of that. Also in that, in that moment too, in that space, I could see that there were different levels to things where people were coming and going from and such. There was one place that seemed like there was a lot more happening, a lot more purposeful things happening. And then there was another place or area or dimension or whatever you want to call it that was just very bright. And all I could feel from looking there was peace and calmness. And then there was beyond that, which I can't really describe very much. And there was a general understanding of things in that whole setting, so much so that the peace that I felt of being there extended beyond me and beyond there and beyond here and beyond everything. It's just this knowing that everything is going to be okay. Everything is okay. What we experience on this side, our pain, our sorrows, you know, our losses, they're temporal. And they're a much smaller part of the bigger picture that we can't see. In that bigger picture, everything is as it should be, which is really hard for us to understand. It's a really tough thing because we suffer a lot and we can't understand why any of that could or would ever be okay. But it's just, uh, it's just beyond us in the moment here. But everything will be okay and everything is okay. I guess I'm jumping ahead a bit. That was uh, the message that I definitely had in my heart to bring back. Like if anybody wanted to tell me or ask me, if anyone wanted to ask me, what, what did you learn from that? And it's like, well, that's probably the most important thing I could convey. Unfortunately, it's one of the hardest and impossible things to convey because you don't really get that until you get there. So being on, on that side... For a while, I uh, decided, you know, seeing back here on Earth, I wanted to see what was going on. I think I have a vague memory of that intention anyway. But then I did end up back at the hospital, not in my body yet, but I was at the hospital, out of my body. And, um, of course, the only thing there is to do there would be to go see what my family's doing in the waiting room. So that's what I did. I just found myself in there with them hanging out with them, listening to their conversations, and even chiming in a little bit. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, my significant other at the time, she was uh, having a conversation with my aunt, and I was just kind of encouraging the conversation and talking like, yeah, that's a good idea. Like, yeah, you should listen to that and stuff. And it's almost like you know that they can still hear you. Like, we're, we're all souls inside, so when a soul is talking to another soul i'm pretty sure you hear it in your soul it's something like that i was i was very confident when i was speaking to my family members who were in their bodies and conscious that that a part of them could hear me and understand me and that what i'm saying to them is not in vain so uh, that obviously gives me a lot of optimism and it gives me a lot of hope about the idea of my past family members and people that i've cared for that passed away that they still see me, they still hear me, they still come and speak to me. Maybe not all the time. I don't expect there to be haunting going on exactly. I definitely know that that, that does happen. And it's good to remind myself of that at times. And knowing that I know that kind of softens the blow of 
the emotions of having lost people and, and the pain that comes with that over time because you think, you know, just because you can't see them, that they can't see you, and that they're not there, but they most definitely are there. So one of the bigger takeaways that I've had from the whole thing is just knowing that, knowing that we do go on and, and that the people that we've lost, they still exist. They absolutely do. And it's not much different than someone moving away to another country. Like you might not be able to see them or hear their, their voice in person or none of that, but you know, they're still there though. Yeah. That was uh, one of the more intriguing things was uh, remembering that conversation. I have to say though, I, I didn't remember that right away. That conversation that uh, my aunt was having at the time with my significant other at the time, my ex, there was actually a conversation my ex and I were having later on. It's kind of important. Later on, my, my ex and I were talking about some things. She was complaining about how her mom uh, would beat her with scripture, so to speak, make her feel really guilty and try to manipulate her by quoting the Bible to her and stuff. And I told her, you know, hold on a sec. You've already had this conversation. You, we don't have to go over this again. I said, yeah, you were talking to my aunt about this. I can't remember where we were, but yeah, you were telling her exactly this. And she already told you. Yeah, she said, oh, honey, no, no, that's not right. Remember? She said, you should learn the Bible better than her if that's what she wants to do. So you can fire back when she tries to manipulate you with that. And I was remembering this and I was saying this to my ex. And, I, and then I, I looked up at her and she was like this. And I was like, what? <laughs> And she said, you can't know that. You cannot know that conversation. You weren't there. And I was like, yeah, I was. I was, what are you talking about? I was right there. I was even telling you that's a great idea. You know, I mean, yeah, I was saying that was good advice. And she said, no, no, you were in surgery. We had that conversation while you were in surgery and we were in the waiting room. And right then it was like, boom, like a bell rang and everything clicked. And I remembered that whole conversation. I remembered the waiting room and, and every detail in it, like uh, the way that the chairs were lined out, the, the location of the TV, the lighting in the room even. I was like, it's kind of dark. My ex said, oh, they had turned off the lights in one half of the waiting room because my aunt was complaining about it. And I'm like, oh, well, that makes sense. So it was a real moment really impactful moment for both of us because it was really great for me to remember that right then. And it was also really shocking to her because she knew beyond any doubt that I definitely was out of my body and that my claims were true because there's no way I could have known that otherwise. And there was a, another thing that had happened regarding a little bit of evidence also having to do with my aunt, but this happened when I came out of surgery. Now, at some point, while I was on the other side and out of my body, and I was uh, on the other other side, I realized that I wanted to stay. I was having those feelings of how great it was, and I didn't really want to come back here. It was a lot of suffering and pain and such. But then I got that notion, and I don't know if it was somebody speaking in my ear, but it was definitely the understanding that I need to go back. I need to come back here. So, I went ahead and came back, even though it felt like I had some kind of a choice, which was strange. Like, uh, if I really wanted to stay, like, I could make that decision, but in my heart, I knew it wouldn't be 
the uh, proper decision, not not the best decision. Like I needed to be here, so I came back, and uh, well, I was a little disappointed about that, about having to come back. But it's like, okay, I know I got to come back, so I'm coming back, and I get back, and there's my body, and I'm like, well, it's time to let's get on with it. You know, it's time to get back in. And so I got back in and I made myself get in the body and made that body get up. And so the result of that was me sitting straight up in the hospital bed in the uh, recovery room and scaring the crap out of a couple of nurses that were in there because apparently I was not even supposed to be awake yet. They were just like, whoa, they were supposed to sit in there and wait for a while for the patient to wake up and then they bring me out. But it was definitely too soon. Uh, the doctors confirm that my family was waiting for me and they came out and said well he's awake he's not supposed to be awake but he is so we're gonna go ahead and bring him out <laughs> and that was really weird trying to get my body to operate it was i was still under the uh influence of the uh sedatives to make me be asleep but i was making my body work and it was really foreign it was i don't know i, I think uh the description that i came up with was uh it was the equivalent of trying to, instead of being hands-on with my body, it was like trying to operate it with chopsticks because I'm still somewhat separated and I'm doing it kind of by proxy, making myself work. And I couldn't see hardly. I was, my eyes, everything was so bright. It was unbearable. I could barely open my eyes. And I heard these voices and they were like, hey, uh, are you okay? And it was the nurses that I startled. And um, I was like, yeah, well, I can hear you but I can't see you. Where are you? Who are you? And they're like, well, we're a couple of nurses at the hospital here. And I'm, I was just like, well, I can't see you. It was really this frustrating moment. What was really strange though, was that I could actually still see when I tried to rest my eyes and I, I didn't want to stress from trying to make my eyes work and everything was so bright. When I closed my eyes, I could actually see like the room and then I could see the people in it because I was still half out of my body and half in my body. So it was easier for me to see with my soul's eyes in the room than it was with my physical eyes because I wasn't supposed to even be awake yet. So anyways, they rolled me out, though, and kind of in that condition to the uh, whatever room the, my family was waiting for me, and they, they brought me out there to my family. We're in this hospital room, and I'm just... I'm sure looking pretty strange to them because I'm going like this and I'm like trying to get my hands to work and my body just feels so foreign to me. But I was also still half out. So I was still like seeing things and, and, you know, outside of my body and outside of that room, even it's a very strange thing to, to try to explain. But that was at the point that I do remember seeing some family members. It was kind of maybe the last moment to say anything through me because maybe I wouldn't remember later. So I had a, my grandma talk to me who had passed a long time ago. She showed up. She told me to tell her daughter, my aunt, that was in the room, that she didn't want her to be sad anymore for her mom. She told me to tell her that she uh, doesn't want her up at night crying for her anymore and that it's okay. And, uh, she's okay and that everything's all right and she doesn't have to do that she wants to see her happy not sad and um my aunt sherry <laughs> my aunt told me that no one 
ever knew that she stayed up and was up at night many times a week crying for her mom. I never knew that. It was a quite a revelation for me to know how much my aunt still hurt over that loss. I was really happy that I was able to give her a message from her mom about that. And she was much more at peace. Afterwards, she she didn't stay up at night crying for her mom anymore. Not nearly as much, at least, I don't think. But that's what she told me. So that was quite a uh, impactful thing, too. It was quite evident to my aunt, obviously, that, yes, I was speaking with Grandma. <laughs> and I was awake in the hospital bed at the time of doing it because I was still half out of my body. I wasn't, I just couldn't fully get in it for some reason still. So I was seeing grandma still talking to me and, and then I'm relaying this message through my body. I was just like, Sherry, auntie, grandma's telling me right now, you don't need to cry for her anymore. Yeah, it was uh, pretty intense. <laughs> I did see my other grandma too, and a couple other people, though I don't actually remember every detail of those things. Uh, my family said that I had said a few things about some other family members and, you know, things that they wanted to tell them and stuff. And I couldn't actually remember some of those things. I remembered with my, my grandma, but couldn't remember like with my cousin and such. And I'm not sure why that is. Those messages, my family kind of kept to themselves too, which is another thing I, I don't quite understand even now. I guess it was really personal. Maybe I just wasn't meant to remember it. So... Anyways, uh, I think that kind of covers some of the uh, important stuff there for evidence of, of what happened. It's unfortunate now that my aunt has passed away and I'm not in communication with my ex because those two could really confirm quite a bit of that. They were kind of my, my witnesses of proof. So I'm sure there's more. Oh, yeah, I'll go ahead and add a little bit of detail about being halfway in and out of my body. <laughs> That whole situation, I mean, it was the strangest thing. I'm in my hospital bed talking to my family and trying to operate this body. And it's so taxing. It's taking so much effort that at some points I would just take a break. And I would step out of my body, take a break from trying to operate it like that. And I could see myself in the bed. But I was still talking, like my body is on autopilot, like it's still operating, it's still talking. I'm just not doing this really direct manual influence on it anymore. And I'm listening to what I'm saying. It's the strangest thing. I, I heard myself talking and I'm like, well, I wonder what I'm talking about now because I was also looking at other things and I, I look back at myself and I'm, I'm still talking there. And I'm like, I wonder what I'm talking about. And I'd listen and I'm like, yep, yep, yep. I'm telling it like it is, you know? <laughs> I can't explain that, how that works exactly, but that definitely was part of the experience and it made perfect sense to me while I was out of my body. And now thinking about it now, I'm like, I don't know how in the world, like we go on autopilot. What is that? I mean, I don't know, but I definitely was speaking and I wasn't even listening to myself. I was looking through other parts of the hospital from there. I was looking down through the floors and looking around and, and just looking back at my body and then and then I'd want to get back in and I'd, I'd come back in and I'd get back to work and make it operate and stuff the way that I want it to and everything. And I'm not sure how to explain that. <laughs> it's just really weird, but 
It was really cool too, actually. It was uh, quite enlightening in ways that I can't really uh, explain. And that kind of sums up a lot of the experiences that it was very enlightening in ways I can't, I can't even fully explain. I have this piece now that I've retained uh, that a little bit of that understanding on the other side, the way that I felt and how everything is going to be all right and that it is okay and that this pain and sorrow and everything and how hard life is, is, is just this really our short-sightedness that allows us to not be able to see past that. But I've seen past it and I do know the truth. I find peace in that every day. You know, when things get hard and they do, and things are going to get a lot harder too, it's life. But I'll always remember that everything's going to be okay. It's all going to be fine. And then in some way I can't understand, but that I can kind of remember it is okay. So we have a, a lot to look forward to. And in fact, we could enjoy some of that peace now if we could just grasp it. I'm sure I'm leaving something out here. Like I've, I've always believed that there's more to life than what we can see and stuff. I've always been a spiritual person in that way. But to have that confirmation about it, though, that's what has given me more peace and given me the ability to, to cope with whatever happens, just knowing that, that everything is going to be okay. And, and that's the, the problem with that statement is that no one will ever really understand the depth of how much I mean everything is going to be okay and that everything is okay and even myself now i still struggle at times you know things happen i lose somebody you know and and i have to remind myself i have to really try to remind myself of what i know but that's kind of the effect that it's had on me and will have on me in the rest of my life is that i do know and that even though it may feel like i forget at times and i'm going through it like somebody who doesn't know that people I've lost still exist. When I remind myself of what I know, that I know they exist, and when I lose someone, I don't mourn them like I would have before with any uncertainty. I mourn not seeing them here now, but I don't mourn them as if they don't exist. Like I know they're there, and I know that I'm going to be there too, again. And this really does affect me, and has affected me, in more ways than I can really exemplify. It's this peace and understanding that goes so deep down in my soul that it's so hard to explain, but it sticks with me forever, though. And I'm a generally happier person, generally hope more hopeful person, and way more well-adjusted to whatever happens to me in life because I know about the other side and I know that everything's going to be okay. I can't explain how much that is true. Well... I guess I just finished by saying that I wish for everyone that everyone could could know that peace and have that understanding about the greater scope of life so that uh, people wouldn't mourn so harshly, so badly for so long, the hard times they've been through, the people they've lost. I really wish everyone could have an experience kind of like that, actually give us that better perspective because I think having that greater perspective helps us here and now. So if all you can do is just consider these things, consider these words and consider other people's experiences, maybe you can find some hope in that even if you can't know for sure yourself. Well, I hope me sharing that is uh, 
helpful in some way. I guess I just want to express my thanks for this opportunity to to share.